G'day guys and welcome. Guitar Wank podcast number two. Right? Are you surprised? I'm surprised. Well, we were going to do them anyway. It didn't matter. But uh, just whether you guys listen to them or not, I guess that's the whole bit right there. So if you haven't listened to number one and you're finding us on number two, go back to number one and have a listen. Leave us comments. Subscribe. Do that and uh, share it. Share it with your guitar buddies, your guitar wankers. Uh, get it out there. We're on uh, iTunes and guitarwank.com. And if you don't like those formats, iTunes and guitarwank.com, we're going to put it on other formats. So all those other people who want to use the other formats for podcasts, we'll get them up there as well. We're just, we're new. And we clearly have no idea what we're doing. So all your feedback and support is huge. So please keep it coming. We got so much great feedback from the first uh, podcast really cool so that makes us feel like we're doing something kind of right um and so yeah do that go to the website leave us some comments go to the facebook site yeah send some questions in for scott and bruce so i can uh ask them whatever you guys want to hear that'd be fun we're gonna do that and we also have guitar wank t-shirts now yeah right we're totally going the whole merch direction (laughs) It's the only way we're going to make money. Not with this, uh, not playing this kind of music, that's for sure. So send in, go to the website, guitarwank.com, check out the t-shirts, get a t-shirt. There's only one way to wank on a guitar and that's with a guitar wank t-shirt. So you need to do that and we'll send you some stickers as well. We've got, uh, we've got to say a big thanks to our official sponsors we have now. Wait, we're just, we've already gone corporate after one episode. We have Dunlop. Got to say a big thanks to Dunlop for uh, Jim Dunlop for supporting and sponsoring us and also Diodario Strings. Thanks, guys. So go to their websites. Let them know you're listening to guitarwank.com. And uh, yeah, I guess without further hesitation, we'll send it off to Scott and Bruce. Guys, thank you. Oh, are we doing something? Are we recording? Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> G'day guys! Welcome to another podcast. Morning, bitch. Am, am I here? Am I? Am I? Am I, am I here? <laughs> I, I say. I say. I gotta say, we gotta thank you to all the the amazing feedback we've been getting with these guitar wank podcasts. You mean people like it? Yeah, there's been three. Um, three people listen to three it. Three people. That's listen more to than it. come that's to my awesome, gigs. Man. Yeah, that's, and um, like that's the first table from to all over the world. <laughs> a couple in Australia, and I think one in uh, at, uh, South Central. And it's not even been officially released yet. Wow. No, well, by the time this one comes out, it well, has. By the time this one comes out, you know your baby <laughs> will be like on Social Security. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm. Mm. We're having, it's a Sunday morning here in North Hollywood, and we're having a, a, a bit of a rough Did coffee you see the breakfast. game last night? The game last Arizona and Green Bay? No, I was working all day. Wow, yesterday. what a game, man. What a game. <clears throat> Unbelievable. I heard the Hail Mary at the end. And- Hail Mary and then Fitzgerald's run. You know, like, I think me and Angela, we, we counted like six missed tackles. It was ridiculous, man. I mean, it was just... It was amazing. As an Aussie, I have no idea what a Hail Mary is. What's a Hail Mary is a drink. It's got vodka and tomato juice. <laughs> it's when he throws the ball really far, and there's like, 
you know, a very small chance of his receiver getting it. He's just throwing You're it just up praying. in the air. And At the just, end of the oh, game, okay. it's a big you prayer. Know, yeah. It's like whoever jumps the highest and grabs the ball gets it, you know. So right. it's like a last-ditch last effort to, to win the game. <laughs> and did they win because of no, it? That tied the game. That tied oh, the game wow. because of that Hail Mary because they were pretty – I'm they pretty much counted out of the game. And yeah. In the last couple seconds, he throws this Hail Mary and boom, you know, <laughs> went into overtime. And then they lost in overtime. Oh, I, mean, I yeah. know this because I – Watched TV this morning before I came over to see the highlights of what I missed yes- right. yesterday. I, my day was completely full of. You were at a wedding. Well, yeah, I was at a wedding. I had to lessons all day because I was catching up from all the week of work. So I had to catch up my school stuff. Yeah. And uh, it was great. I mean, have, I did. Well, I is... did. So, and the football, they managed to play the game without me somehow. So that that, <laughs> that really surprised. The biggest yeah. thing, reading the paper. And I was like, "Where's play. Foreman, man?" Yeah. It's like you know, he's usually one of the linebackers. <laughs> I'm not farting, by the way. This is your sofa. That's, that's my that's noise. my couch. So this right. is well. This is the well, first I, one. On the other hand, <laughs> this is the first one for 2016, which is. Uh, it's it's a good start to 2016, I guess. I had a baby, so yeah, that Troy was Troy had a baby, had a and baby. that was that was pretty amazing. I mean, your wife had one. Yeah, well, you know, I, I didn't do fuck all really. Well, you did something. <laughs> we hope. And then I suspect <laughs> you or somebody did. <laughs> so the next nine, ten months thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, what was I? What was I thinking? <laughs> no, nah, she's uh, a, li- a little ripper. She's a good one, but um, yeah. I would like to go back to that Blackmore stuff you were talking about. I'm curious about that. So, no, it's it's just that he's one of my heroes, and and uh, I've always just loved his tone. You know, me and about six trillion other people. Right. And um, you know, I go on the web and try to research it, and many times it's been a hobby of mine to uh, listen to, to listen to some of his his solos and try to copy that tone. You know, with my rig. And I've gotten close. Right. But, you know, and I really wouldn't use the tone because it's, you know, I don't want to steal Richie Blackmore's tone, but but it's just a hobby, you know, because I think you got the greatest tone from a Strat that ever, anybody ever has besides maybe Jeff Beck. Yep, yeah. And uh, he just has such an original, amazing sound that he got from his from his guitar, and, and I've always just uh, admired it so much and, and not only that he's a great player yeah of course yeah. you know what what what's he what's he running through what's he set up he's basically? playing a marshall and uh and uh one of the things he, he he's doing that's interesting is he's using a uh tape recorder like a iowa or iowa i don't know how do you pronounce it a-i-w-a maybe one of those old reel-to-reel tape recorders yeah. to go into the amp with and he's using that like sort of like an echoplex Oh wow! You know, so so imagine that that machine has its own tone. Right. So he's not only using it as an echoplex, but it's got a little bit of gain. So he's overdriving the amp with it, sort of like the way we would use a boost pedal. Yeah. You yep. know, but it's sort of like a boost and an echoplex at the same time. So that's one of his things, you know, and that might be responsible for some of that mysterious tone that he gets you yep. know that no one can figure out maybe if you bought one of those tape recorders and plugged into it <laughs> and he's it how big are they like a huge huge you know, the thing was like yeah you know we're talking a big reel to reel that it would be on stage with them every night so it's like wow yeah yeah, yeah. No, i was just curious you know because I, I listen to a lot of guys and i get excited about their tone and then how you go about trying to recreate that I think you just sit there and, you know, dick with your gear and yeah. EQ until you figure it out, you yeah. know. And and uh, like I say, I've come 
one of the things you can't really do, he was not using a 57 in the studio. He was using one of those big Neumann microphones. Oh, so okay. that's why the, the, the tone on the studio Deep Purple records is so dark. Yeah. It's really dark. That's because he's not using a 57. But if you listen to an album like Made in Europe, yep. you can hear his real tone, which is really quite bright. And because he's using a 57 on that gig. So since I have a 57, I use that album to kind of compare tones because we, I know we're using the same microphone. Right. Now, I was talking to Bruce the other day and we were talking guitar picks. And he was he was telling me what you use. What's that, that one you gave me, the white one? Oh, that's a Wigan bluegrass pick. Right. It's called. It's made of some strange composite material. And it's it's really great for a hollow body because... You know, hollow bodies, especially in the low three strings, can get real woofy and bassy and indistinct, kind of sound like an electric bass sometimes. And that pick really adds a lot of projection of tone. Of course, it does make the bright, the, the top end real bright. Right. And I was using those for a long time and kind of like, and occasionally I was finding they'd get harsh, though. Especially if I didn't, I didn't have the amp turned up loud enough, I started to play harder on the guitar or something. And uh, the guys at Dunlop, and and as a disclaimer, they are they are our sponsor here. One of our many official sponsors. Yes, one of our many. Yes, if if, <laughs> if two is many, well, more than one is. Don't many. forget Honda. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they they came up with a thing called prime tone Primetone, picks, yeah. which are beveled picks. They're really kind of just regular picks with a high end. I guess some sort of glaze and bevel to them, and they're really nice. They've got plenty of projection, but a lot sweeter sound. Can I see it? Yeah, yeah they're it, a lot sweeter sounding. They're like a typical Fender Heavy or something, mm. except for the the ends are beveled and it's got a really nice feeling. It's a really sweet tone. Yeah, with still plenty of projection, and I've been using them now, and I'm very happy with them. They come in various uh, thicknesses. thicknesses. I use the 1.0. Oh, I prefer 1.0. And again, the reason is is because the instruments I play are very dark, and to use a really thick pick makes a very dark or dark, dark sound. Yeah, this like, is about like a Fender Heavy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like a same feel. I, yeah. I, I kind of forget that a pick will make a huge difference to your tone and your playing. I would bet that you you find any guitar player, and they've probably got a jar or a dish full of picks on there wherever they practice and they're always picking one up and checking out what it does and yes it does have a big effect on your sound now i don't know that your wife would notice or your fans would notice <laughs> but we notice i notice not just the feel the yeah. sound yeah and i've always been one of those guys that go for the sound don't worry about the feel you'll get used to anything Okay. It's about the sound to yeah. me. That's that's always what I've allowed, and it makes me a little weird, maybe for some jazz guys. But right. I, to me, it's all about the sound. Whatever sounds the best, that's what I play, and then I just learn to get comfortable with it. Yeah, Scott, what do you use? Fender heavies. Yeah, but I I turn it around, and use the back side of it, not the point. Oh, you do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See. Now, yeah, is that the one, one with the take grip? Take one of these, Scott, and see what you think. You'll yeah, probably like them. I will. Is that one with the... Did your Fender Heavies have the grip on them? You know, the the, the meshy grip? No, old... no, just a Fender Heavy. Right, just okay. a plain old Fender Heavy. Yeah. And just turn it around and you use the big end. So you use that end? Yeah. Yeah, wow. you'll get a darker okay. sound. Yeah, you get a much way. darker sound. It's much more like your finger. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and in fact, sometimes on some notes, I can't tell the difference between using that part of the pick and using my finger. Wow. Um, it's, okay. it, it, it's night and day yep. between using the point and using the back side. Wow. It's like a huge, huge difference in so time. I know the, the edge uses <clears throat> like those picks with the grip, with the that little grip thing on Oh, yeah. To get that scratch sound when he's oh, playing yeah. those, those Sort of parts. like uh, what's Brian May using a quarter. Yeah, you know, right? Yeah. And doesn't yeah. Um, ZZ Top Guys use a quarter? I think Gibbons, he uses a I've heard of him using yeah. different stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it does affect the tone a lot. Mm, definitely. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. I like your couch. It makes some really good sound effects. <laughs> it's really nice. Enjoying it's well that. well designed. <laughs> I wanted to... um, Because the last year I've been building this friggin' studio. So playing kind of took a back seat. And getting back into playing and, and picking up new things. What did you guys... How do you guys approach practicing something new and bringing it into your repertoire and getting it under your fingers so it's a performance level? Is it just an an hour thing, just, or is it is it something you guys do? <laughs> <You> wished. <laughs> it's like more like a month. No, thing. like hours. I mean, it's like a month. Hours thing. and yeah. hours and a hours. A month at least. It's just all time. Yeah. But For me, a, yeah, right. maybe I'm just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it it really depends, though. We would undertake this little break just to remind you that you're special. We love you. We need you. And uh, you've been listening to Guitar Wank Podcast with Bruce Foreman, Scott Henderson, and I'm Troy McCubbin, the guy who speaks a little funny. Like, how do you practice this stuff? It, it depends what we're talking about. If we're talking about a specific technical thing that's extremely difficult, yeah, that, that's very much an hours, months, weeks thing. Right. If it's a conceptual thing, it could be anything from five minutes to a year. Mm. A new, a new, because there's a lot of when you study a guy, whether it be Richie Blackmore or Wes Montgomery or anything, where there's the details, there's the little things, there's the tone things, there's the what they play over a given chord, transcribing, we call it, I guess, where you take stuff off records. But there's also getting inside their head and just understanding where all these ideas are coming from, how they approach music. And if you can get to there too, and that can be a five-minute thing that can change your playing in a huge way. Or it could be the kind of thing that you need to spend a lot of time re reevaluating your playing and, and using those ideas and digging deep in them. But getting them just the basic idea of, oh, okay, this guy's a very thematic player. So in order to approach my music, I, thematically, I have to do these kinds of things. Or he's a very technical player. He, he likes to play textures. Those kinds, of, those kinds of things are just as important as taking the nuts and bolts apart. The, right. Where the tone knob is or, or uh, what they play over G7. Yeah. And, and so all those things do take a lot of time. And if you're playing a lot, it takes less time. If you're playing every night with a band and you're working on the stuff, you can get into your playing fairly quickly. If you're not playing a lot and you're just practicing, every time you go to play it, it's kind of weird for a while. Mm. And it finally takes that time to become before it becomes just part of your vocabulary versus part of something you know. Yeah. The live performance thing, that's the... To me, that's the key. Yeah. It's just lots of playing. Yep. 
Would you agree with that, Scott? Like, yeah, how do you, how do but, you but I think you, you're talking more nuts and bolts. You're talking about like a lick. Like, how Maybe, can I get yeah. some new stuff into my playing, right? Yeah. And, 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 and like, I would say that, like, I, I could probably take a Coltrane record, right? And in 20 minutes, I could transcribe 10 small lines. You know what I mean? Like, I would never transcribe anything or learn anything more than eight notes. Because the longer it is, the, the the less you'll ever use it. You know, right. I'd say four notes, six notes, eight notes tops. Right. right? Because you're learning words here that you're going to cut and paste and make sentences out of, just like a language. That's right? cool. Yeah. So, so, so you learn. Say you 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 know you transcribe ten licks. It's going to be at least you know two weeks on each lick, or or three weeks even on each lick before it actually becomes a natural part of your playing. So you've got to take each thing one at a time. You've got to play into it from something you know, and then keep playing after it's over so that it sounds like it's really integrated into what you're doing, right? Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's going to sound like you're playing your shit and then insert lick and then you go back. You know, you can't do that, right? It has to feel natural, Yeah. right? So you've got to practice it. You've got to, your fingers have to just know it without it. So you got to, you know, I would practice it for hours while I'm watching TV just so, just to get the muscle memory going. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to figure out how to get into it. And then you've got to tweak it to make it yours. Yeah. You don't want to play it, quote it. Yeah. Right. You want to be able to change it rhythmically, play it in triplets or 16th notes. If you learned it in eighth notes, play it some other way. You know, make it yours. Yeah. Play it in different modes. If it's a, if it's, if you learned it as a, say, like an altered lick, try it as a, a minor seven flat five lick. If you learned it as this, you know, try. If it's modal, try to change the modes, make it sound different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you know, as the years go by, you develop many of these small ideas, and you get a vocabulary. You know, like if if you listen to Giant Steps. Coltrane's giant steps, listen to the solo and then the alternate take. You know, of course, the alternate take is a completely different solo, but if you get the microscope in there and listen, you hear a lot of da-da-da-da and da-da-da-da-da and a lot of the same exact things over and over and over. Those are the little words, Mm. you know, and all jazz players and all rock players and any kind of musicians have those little words and they're constantly cutting and pasting them into bigger sentences. Yeah. Right? So... If your playing gets stale and you 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 get in a rut, you learn some new words, right? And try to constantly, or I am at least, always transcribing and trying to get new stuff into my playing because my now when you so guys talk about transcribing, <laughs> we're not talking about writing it down. Although that's what it means. Yeah, I transcribing. Always, always thought that I was like, God, transcribing I means to write something down, right. but. What we're talking about is just taking something that somebody did and using it. I never write it down because I right. can't read it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's to me, I, I'm against it because it, you, it, it fights the memory part. Yeah, that's the I whole find deal. You, write it, it, you right. write it down. You can read it if you can read it in some <laughs> cases. It, it doesn't encourage you to memorize it. Yeah. You've just got this thing written down and you think you've done your work when you really haven't. So the big part for me is when I have an idea like that, I sing it a bunch. I listen to it a bunch, and then I sing along with it, and then I play along with it. Mm-hmm. Then I know it, then I do things with it. But you don't. You, a lot of what he said is built into the process. Yeah. If you go to play that lick, the first you're going to come up with 20 variations because you're going to screw it up the first 20 times you play it. So right there you've got 
alternate ways of playing that, that actually probably sound good. They aren't exactly what you intended to do, so you're probably pissed off about it. But the truth is, is what you played that's close to what Coltrane or Bird or somebody played probably sounds really good. And then you finally get it down so where you can play what it is, and then you get kind of tired of playing it that way. And you, ought, So even though all the things he suggests, which is like try it through different modes, through different chords, start on different parts of the beat, enter in a different part of the phrase, turn the phrase upside down. In other words, if it's ascending, you try to make it descending with the same quality. You displace the octaves, all these things that you do. That comes out of as much... Just from finally getting it so down, you're a little bored with it. Mm-hmm. A lot of that's built into the process, the variation scheme. You'll 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 screw it up so you get a bunch of variations there. You kind of play it for a while, and then you go like, okay, that's enough. What else can I do with it? Anybody who's got any creativity is going to approach it that way, and it's 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 a beautiful thing that's built in. And then you're you take into effect that you're playing with other people, and they're throwing ideas at you while you're playing it. So that's also giving it a whole second texture that affects how you hear it and yeah. play it. Yep. The whole uh, the whole thing in a nutshell is just that when you learn something that you didn't know before, it just teaches your fingers to put them in places you wouldn't have thought of yourself. Yeah. So yeah. regardless of how that ends up, you know, you come away with something that you didn't have before. Right. And it's just vocabulary building. You know, so uh yeah, it's it's all good. You know, the, the the bad thing is when people do it too much with one guy, mm. you know, like they just put on their favorite player and just transcribe from him all the time. Then before you know it, you sound too much like him. So the thing to, for guitar players is to remember that, you know, horn players are a great source of, you know, horn players, keyboard players, sometimes other guitar players. But I actually try to stay away from learning licks from guitar players yeah. because it's so obvious where it came from. You know, like, especially someone like Schofield or something like that. He was one of the first guys I listened to, you know, when I was first learning jazz. I had for a while, I kind of had to avoid listening to him because I like his playing a lot and I don't want to sound like him. I, you know, if I start transcribing too much of his ideas, then yeah, then that's dangerous. Right. So, you start to lose your voice. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just tend to go for horn players, you know. Besides, some of the stuff that you learn from horn players is really weird on guitar, and I like weird, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. come so, on. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But that's all good. That's part of learning music is to listen to other players and cop this and that from them, and everybody's done it. Yeah. The thing is, is if you steal too much from one person, that's plagiarism. If you steal from everybody, that's research. Right. That's a cool way to look at it. I like the way you the way you said you put it into just stealing a word. Sometimes I think I get stuck with all this information to learn because it's even more so than ever. You we have so much information out there as guitarists to learn, and you're like, oh, I want to learn it all instead of focusing on one little thing and really making it a part of your playing. That's what you got. And do. I remember asking you, Bruce, about. Well, I noticed your playing was. It reminded me so much of Charlie Parker, and I was like, oh, so you must have, you know, transcribed and learned all these tunes. And you were like, no, right? You, you kind well, of- I mean, I, I have, you know, I guess, more than most people have, but that's only because I'm so interested in it. But no, I'm not like... Lick for lick, right? No, I, 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 I'm, it's details. Right. You learn the melody to a song. You learn it till you got it the way as good as you like it. 
not just kind of be able to play the notes. You know, you got to get inside that song. That takes time. Yeah. And if you're trying to do a hundred or a thousand things, you, you're just going to do them kind of okay. If you do one thing, get it down, then do another thing. It's, music is a... It's it's so weird how music is both at the same time so vast and so detail conscious and on the other hand. Mm. When you go to play, you're dealing in all these concepts and you're just listening and you're just letting this stuff flow out of you. But really what's flowing out of you is is the work you've done mastering details. Understanding harmony and having all these things at your grasp so that when you conceive them, they come out the way you hear them. And that doesn't come from just kind of knowing a thousand things. Mm. That more comes from knowing a few things really well. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a good that's a good lesson right there. Yeah, you have to turn off you know, when you're playing, it's so much different when you're practicing when you're playing. It's like you just have to, you know, you've heard the thing, you know, just let the force go. <laughs> you know, what that is, is is basically right brain, left brain stuff. You, you know, you, your right brain is what's letting you be creative and speak, right? And your left brain has all those details that yeah. Bruce is talking about. And you just want to turn those off when you play and don't think about it. You know, I asked Bruce the other day, he, I, I was saying I'm practicing and I like to watch TV when I practice, Right. you know, because by concentrating on the TV, I don't think about what I play and it just comes out and everything is more effortless. Right. And I like to play that way. And when I'm playing live, I like to be in that same kind of frame of mind where if I start paying too much attention to what I play, I start judging it. And then it's all over, you know, because I judge it and I'm a, and I'm a hanging judge. Right. So I listen to it. I go, well, so th- that explains sucks. why he always has the TV on at the gig. Yeah. It's like this sucks. It's got you know a suck I mean? bringing TVs to every gig. I, I, yeah. I, I, those pornos really yeah. cost him a well, few gigs. Well, it's just like, you know, if there, you know, there might be one girl at one of my gigs so I can just look at her and, you know, not... <laughs> and remember that TV show. Yeah, yeah. I know. So, yeah. you know, I mean, just, you know, when you focus in too hard and start judging and start thinking yeah. about, oh, this lick or that <clears throat> lick or this scale or that scale and stuff, you know, that's bad news. And you, then you start really playing bad because you, you, you're you not thinking about the right thing. You're not t- thinking about telling a story, you know, because playing is like talking. It's effortless. Yeah. It, it's just effortless. If it's not effortless... Then something's wrong. Yeah, right. You got to make it effortless. So, uh, and that's what practicing the yeah. details gives you. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, you practice so that you can. You, you know, that's why the difference between practicing and playing is such a big. I think that's huge thing. When people talk about practicing, I think that's what should be at the end of that. Practicing the details. We just wanted to take this time out to tell you thank you thank you for all your support all your donations and to keep listening to guitar wank podcasts with bruce foreman scott henderson and troy mccubbin we'll be here and there on further podcasts at guitarwank.com where you can get all your information all your past episodes and merch yes merch we're selling merch
I'm so guilty of this is learning something and, oh yeah, I think I've got this. I'm playing it up the speed, but I haven't really got it. I didn't practice the details. Well, there's a whole lot you know. of things to it. If you took a given like a Charlie Parker head, whatever, mm-hmm. one of his tunes, which are like solos, and and you played it, and you could play all the notes and rhythms, you're just now ready to start practicing the details. Mm. You have just finally arrived at the point where you can work on that song. Damn. Most people think <laughs> of it. No, really. Yeah, it's most it's people right. think of it in terms of well, if I learn the melody, the rhythm, then and I can play it. <laughs> Then I can go off and do my solo, dude. You just you are now ready to make music with this to really get into practicing the details that are important for your playing. To to deal with articulation, nuance of rhythm, shape of phrase, hmm. dynamics, all these things that bring that to life, that bring your solo to life. Or your own songs to life. All the elements of music that are essential for your playing are now ready to be practiced yep. and yep. studied. And until you know the notes and rhythms, you're just flailing off in the darkness. Yeah. And then once you kind of got that down, you're ready to begin. You guys have had um, like a, a, probably a gazillion students What's one common thing that you guys always see that we're all making that a similar mistake? Like, what's the biggest mistake we're making? Coming to school. <laughs> <laughs> Start there. <clears throat> well, I find that the, everybody the the, the, hard, the hardest thing in practicing the guitar is opening the case. Mm. That's something we all have in common. It's just the most, the biggest, so the probably best thing is don't put your guitar in a case. I was always told, leave them. Leave them out. Leave so, them out. Because you know how it is, like, you got to practice, you got to practice, but you don't feel like it or whatever. And then as soon as you pick up the instrument, three hours later, you're, you go, wow, what happened? And so really it's, it's I say for all of us, to just put that initial effort into getting the instrument in our hands. And then it will pretty much take care of itself. Also, you if there's something you're doing really well, don't practice that as much. Use it maybe to warm up or something, but then get on into the stuff you want to get into and stuff that needs work. Do, do be efficient. Don't You're going to be old like me in a second. <laughs> So, like, make it work now. Use the time wisely. And don't also, even though practice and playing to a lot of people are very different, to me they're not. I demand the same amount of attention to tone and time and nuance and articulation and dynamics when I'm I'm figuring out what picks I like or when I'm playing major scales or when I'm learning a new piece. I'm demanding all those same things I would be demanding myself if I were playing in a club and Scott was sitting in the front row. Mm, right. That's, I never let myself play the instrument. And I also play with the TV. It's a, I do it a little different than Scott. I usually play with football games, you know, <laughs> um, and, and baseball games and basketball games and stuff like that. And it's weird. I'll be playing along and 
But usually half the time I'm really focused on what I'm playing and the TV's just sort of noise background. in the background, which is sort of like a drummer. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, then, and then some of the times I'm watching the game and I'm just on automatic pilot, I'm just letting my hands run. I'm aware of what I'm doing and I'm still demanding good tone and everything, but I'm just kind of in that cool, just flying around. And then there's also like a real small percentage of the time where I'm actually jamming with the game. There's there's a rhythm happening that I'm getting from this and I'm playing to it. Beyonce. That's 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 the, <laughs> no with the commercials too. And the commercials I use for ear training. Right. As soon as the commercial, I try and just play exactly what I'm hearing in the commercial. Because that's a perfect case of, I don't know what it is. I identify instantly the notes that are happening, the rhythm, what I've got to play. Boom, boom. So there's a lot of good stuff that can happen there. But that part where I'm actually playing with the game, it's a weird moment of where I'm interacting in a, with a kind of a new style of accompaniment that makes no sense, but yet my brain is making sense of it and... I just had an image, you were at the Super Bowl, and they're playing the game, and then they do a pan across, and you see Bruce in the corner just playing along with the game. Yeah. Why not? They should do it. it, It's true. It's it's like a a connection happens. In many ways, we all know that from playing gigs. You're playing, and everything's great, but there are special moments, certain moments, where everything just seems to all get in that magical place. Where I think Miles was the one who said it's about 1% of the time, if you're lucky, or 2% of the time. And that was Miles. Yeah, right. So you I'm, you can imagine how little of this game I'm actually, I enter that weird black hole mm-hmm. that's really cool. I know you're going to call the somebody to come lock me up after I said that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this guy's right now. nuts. <laughs> no, you know what? He's I'm I'm the same way though exactly. There's a reaction, there's a reactive thing with TV when you're playing. Yeah. And 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 to me the TV is the bass player and drummer because I don't have it on my computer cuz my computer doesn't react to anything I play. Mm. So I need something visual that's moving. You know what I mean? That represents the attention that if I was on the gig I would be paying to the to the bass player and drummer to take the attention off myself. Right. And that's what I do at gigs on a good gig. Right. I'm not paying as much attention to what I'm playing as much attention to what they're playing with me. Right. So that's what makes it fun Mm. because you're not playing with a computer. You're playing with real people. That's why it's so easy for me to, uh, if I'm jamming with my computer at home, it's so easy for me to become judgmental of what I play because I'm only focused on me. It's me in the room with a computer. It's like, how inspiring is that? Right. So that's, I, I find it very hard to sit in my room and practice without the TV being on. Yeah. Just as background, you know, because it gives me something to take my mind off focusing so much on every single thing that I'm playing because then I go into judgmental mode. And then it's like, you know, but that's just playing, not necessarily say if I had to practice or learn something, then of course you go into stop mode or slow motion mode where actually honing in on the details of a particular line or something that you're learning. That's different. But I'm talking about just playing. If I just feel like playing and incorporating some of the ideas that I know into my playing, I'd rather do that 
without thinking about it so much. Because as soon as you start thinking, that's when you make all the mistakes. Yeah. To yeah. me, like like that that's the effortless thing. If it's effort, if it's not effortless, then it's just stressful. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's yeah. not about stress. It's music's supposed to be what about are having talking fun. Talking about it's all know? about stress. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. What are you doing this for anyway? Yeah, for stress. Okay. <laughs> I like love stress, you know, man. Dang, Nothing man. like it. So I'm drinking this coffee you're right now. You're doing this to get back at your parents, right? <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's also and this is different, I guess, in us. A lot of what I play is solo. Or, or duo with small groups. I mean, Scott generally plays in the context of a band and conceives as his music. So I spend a lot of my practice time just playing. But to me, it's playing solo, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm just solo guitar. I'm playing through tunes. I'm, I'm playing them. I'm seeing where they'll go, listening to where, listening to where the voice leading can take me, taking it through new keys because... As weird as the guitar is symmetrical and that every key's the same, certain keys we have specific key knowledge. It's just we develop it through the time of our life and our hearing. And so by taking a song that's in G and moving it to D flat or E or A or B flat, by moving it through the keys, I find new things in the song that I would never have found. So it's as if I'm putting a, playing a solo concert yeah. and I'm just working these tunes out and doing all these things, taking it through different tempos, maybe moving it to 3-4 or playing it in a different kind of groove or y- utilizing counterpoint versus block harmony or th- these kinds of things, using parallel voicings versus diatonic style voicings or harmonic style voicings and using various things. So that's like playing for me. And of course you can't be, even even if you're by yourself and you're not getting the TV or the football game, you you can't be any more judgmental than he's speaking about because that all that does is rather than you being in the moment of playing what you're playing, you're back in the past critiquing what you just did. So you're essentially blocking where it could go. And um, if you've played as long as we have... You're no stranger to making mistakes. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're going to get down on yourself for making mistakes, you'd have quit. We wouldn't have made it as long as we've made. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's so true. When I play Cat Scratch Fever, I like to move it to G flat. It's a really great key for that song. It has a whole different feeling. It just changes everything. Cat Scratches? Yeah. No, Cat Scratch Fever, Ted Nugent. Yeah. One of my favorite musicians. Really? Great Republican. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just want to say that I'm glad that California has gone to open carry for guitars. <laughs> it really was worrying me yeah. for a while. Yeah, I was worried about that too. And yeah. then we got our, our editor in chief. He just walked in the door here. Doug, welcome. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Doing an amazing job on the other, making these shows come together. Yeah, making us... Well, he doesn't really even make us sound that smart. I heard the first one. (laughs) Thanks a lot. (laughs) All right, so this is our segment where we do Wankopedia. 
Bruce, do you want to explain Wankopedia for the listeners out there? Well, Wankopedia is just a chance for people to find out about people that we like they're playing. They may or may not have heard about them. Definitely not going to take your, you know, guys that are in the top 10 of the polls or get all the love from the media. Just great players all around the world that we think that people should know about. Scott? Well, I guess I'll start with my good friend, Philip Degree who's from New Orleans, and you actually spell his name, uh, Degree, spelled D-E-G-R-U-Y. It's actually how you spell his name. He's a solo guitarist, kind of like Ted Green on acid, is the best way I could describe his, his stuff. He's a total virtuoso musician and uh, composer. And uh, one thing I love about him is he doesn't just play standards. He plays all kinds of different music. And he has these these harp guitars that are uh, seven-string guitars with an additional who-knows-how-many harp strings. And he uses them all plus harmonics on, on the seven-string to just make incredible orchestrations of, of different kinds of music. And he's really... Probably, in, in my mind, the most advanced solo guitarist alive right now. Wow. Yeah. He's a, he's a guy that Ted Green just, a, just raved about all the time, you know. And what's this guy's name again? So everyone- Philip Degree. Philip Degree. Where's Philip from? New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. Just an amazing musician. Wow. And I've seen him play live many, many times. And when you hear the records, you, you just go, this sounds like five guitarists. There's no way this guy could pull this off live, but he does. And I've seen him live many times. It's like a little mini orchestra. Just a beautiful musician. All right, that's another show for us here at Guitar Wank. We hope you guys are enjoying this and learning a lot as I am. And uh, yeah, Scott, anything to add to that? Five. Oh, this is what I'm dealing with. If, if A hits 440, sell. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Until next week.